0: if you have a bible um you can open up to the gospel of mark it's the fourth book in the new testament matthew actually i'm sorry the second one in the new testament matthew then mark right in mark chapter 6 we've been in this series on the gospel of mark the last five weeks this is the fifth week and the title of it is what to do in a crisis we trust jesus but what to do specifically in a crisis and i'm excited you know as i've been praying this this past week there's some things really specifically that i feel like the lord has dropped on my heart to share with you as a congregation about what to do in the middle of a crisis now you know this is the fifth week um i have to be honest with you i think the series is like 12 weeks long and there's like myself and four or five others that you know are teaching in this series and when we set these series out, I don't really do that. Caleb, who's our youth pastor, actually kind of puts these things together because he's just a little bit more structured and administrative, and I just kind of jump in and do my thing, you know, and I just find my spot, whatever, you know, and just play my part, and the different guys, Jack spoke a couple weeks ago, and we have different people, you know, that, that will speak, and, you know, they'll just based upon availability and what God may be speaking their heart, and I just kind of fill in. And I have this passage, Mark chapter 6, verse 30 through 44, and it is a really, really familiar passage. Probably, if you've been a Christian for over a year, you've probably heard about this passage, or maybe you've heard it in the past, whatever. It's called the feeding of the 5,000, where Jesus takes five loaves of bread and two fish, and he takes that and multiplies that and feeds not just 5,000, there's 5,000 men, but probably fifteen to 20,000 people get fed. It's this incredible miracle in this passage. How many of you have ever heard this story? Raise your hand. Raise your hand if you've heard the story. Keep it raised really high. Okay, most people have heard this story. And I thought when I got this passage, you know, when I have it given to me, I'm like, oh, the feeding of the 5,000. Everybody's heard this story. God, I'm just, you know. But I had to repent, you know, because I was like, "Oh Lord, I had a bad attitude about everybody's heard the story. What am I going to say, you know, that you guys haven't heard before?" But as I've been praying about it, I really feel like the Lord has dropped some very specific things on my heart about this passage, and I want you to do this. I always ask you, when you listen to a passage being taught, to ask yourself the question: Where do I see myself in this story? Don't just sit there and be a passive listener, but ask yourself, oh, who am I in this story? How would I react? How would I respond? What would I do? What would I say? If I were in this story, who would I be in this story? Okay, so ask yourself that question as we read this passage this morning. So Mark chapter 6, starting in verse 30. Now, before we dive into the passage, got kind of a little preview here, a little kind of looking back. Previously in Mark chapter 6, like previously in you know, whatever, you know, I was going to say previously, not that when I was like a kid, I used to watch that show, but anyway, so um, like previously, right, um, if you're over 50, you've got, kind of got that, but anyway, so, anyway, so previously, Jesus had sent out his disciples, and they went out, and he said, hey, you guys are going to go out, and you're going to heal the sick, and you're going to cast out demons out of people, and then you're going to come back and report to me. So previously, all this stuff had happened. He had sent out his disciples, and they were doing these incredible things. And also, right previously um, to this passage, we find out that Jesus' cousin, John the Baptist, has been beheaded. His head was cut off, right? And the disciples are coming back to Jesus, and Jesus was, was really close to John the Baptist. And so it was just this time of, man, they need some time away from everybody and everything. The disciples that are spent. They've been just doing all of his ministry. Jesus' cousin, John the Baptist, just was beheaded. So they need some time away. So John chapter 6, verse 30 says this. The apostles returned to Jesus from their ministry tour that Jesus had sent them out on. And they told Jesus all that they had done and all that they had taught. And Jesus said to them, right, they just come back, John the Baptist's head was just cut off. Jesus says, let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. Now, there's only two miracles in the New Testament and the Gospels that are recorded in all four of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. One of them is the resurrection. All the Gospels talk about the resurrection of Jesus. This miracle that we're about ready to read about is only, the, is only the second miracle. It's the only other miracle that's in all the Gospels is this miracle that we're about to talk about. And so every single Gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all tell this story that you're going to read. But they all add a little bit different details that you're not going to catch unless you read the other Gospels too. And one of the other Gospels that says... That Jesus said, Hey, we're going to go off to this place called Bethsaida. We're going to get on a boat and we're going to go off. It's about six miles away. We're going to go on a boat, go on the Sea of Galilee, this, this large lake, and then we're going to go over there. And that's what we're told in one of the other Gospels. So Jesus says, Let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. He said this because there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his disciples, his apostles, didn't even have time to eat. So, verse 32, they left by boat for a quiet place where they could be alone. But many people recognized them, and they saw them leaving. And people from many towns ran ahead along the shore and got there ahead of them. So, again, people knew where they were going. The disciples, Jesus like, hey, we're going to get off to a quiet place. And they probably thought, oh, we're going to go to this other little town, Bethsaida. It's just, you know, six miles away or so. We're going to rest there. But apparently... Their time of rest was out on the lake with Jesus in the middle of this boat. I don't know how long it took them to row there, to get there, to sail there. But apparently their time, their time alone with Jesus, where they were going to rest and be with Jesus, was just out on this boat. People are traveling ahead of there to get to this place where they're going. Matthew chapter 14 says this. As soon as Jesus heard the news, he left in a boat to a remote area to be alone. So, as soon as hear, the disciples come back, he hears, hears the news about John the Baptist being beheaded, they get in this boat to go to a remote area to be alone. Apparently, that remote area was not where they were going out to bestia, in Bastia, this other town, but it was on the boat with Jesus. It says, The crowds, Matthew 14 says, The crowds heard where he was headed, and they followed on foot from many towns. Back to Mark 6. Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boats. And he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. Now if I were the disciples, I'd be like, oh, Jesus, that little time we had on the boat with you, that didn't seem like enough. But Jesus knew exactly what they needed, when they needed needed it. And just a little bit of time with Jesus... Sometimes that's all we need. He knows exactly what we need. And For them it was that time out on the boat. They get to the shore and Jesus has compassion. All these people that are coming to him. I don't know about I think the disciples were probably irritated thinking, oh, more people. We, Jesus, can't we just have a break from these people? But Jesus sees this opportunity to teach people and for people to be ministered to, for healing to occur. Mark 6 says, so he began teaching them many things. Luke kind of fills in it a little bit more. It says that Jesus welcomed all these people and he taught them about the kingdom of God and he healed all those who were sick. Back to Mark, verse 35. It says, late in the afternoon, his disciples came to him and they said, Jesus, this is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to nearby farms and villages and buy something to eat. Now, for most of us, we just kind of, breeze right over those couple of verses right there. But to me, I find almost the key to the whole passage is right here. It says, late in the afternoon, his disciples came to Jesus, and they said, Jesus, this is a remote place, and it's already getting late. It's like, do you think that Jesus didn't know that? It's like, Jesus like, guys, you know, why are you telling me it's a remote place, it's getting late? I already know these things. And they're like, Jesus, this is a problem here. There's all these people. You've you've healed the sick, Jesus. You've raised the dead. You've taught people. Can you not just, you know, we're, we're losing control. This is going to look really bad. Everybody's getting hangry, Jesus. Send them away. Because that's, you know, that's common sense. That's what we should do. Send them away so they can get something to eat, Jesus. But Jesus said to the disciples, he says, well, don't send them away. You guys, you feed them. They're like, well, Jesus, with what? What do you want me to feed them? With Jesus? The Gospel of John, chapter 6, fills us in. It says that Jesus turned to Philip, one of the disciples, and he says, where can we buy bread to feed all these people? Philip's like, well, Jesus, we'd have to work for months to have enough money to buy food for all these thousands of people. Verse 38, Jesus says to him, well, how much bread do you have? He's like, Jesus, I got nothing. Jesus like, well, go go out and find out how much bread there is, how much food there is. John fills us in again. It says, Jesus turned to Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, and spoke up, or Andrew spoke up and said, well, Jesus, we don't have anything, but Here's a young boy here with five barley loaves, and he has two fish. But Jesus, that's nothing. There's, there's 15 to 20,000 people here, Jesus. What are we going to do with this? This is a huge crowd. We're losing, con- we're losing control, Jesus. Verse 39, Jesus told the disciples to have people sit down in groups ...on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of 50 or 100. Jesus took the five loaves and you know the rest. He took the five loaves and the two fish. He looked up towards heaven and he blessed them. And then breaking the loaves into pieces... ...Jesus kept giving the bread to the disciples... ...so they could distribute it to the people. He also divided the fish for everyone to share. They all ate as much as they wanted. And afterwards the disciples picked up the 12 baskets... ...of leftover bread and fish. A total of 5,000 men... Which again, so we know there's 5,000 men. So it's, all of a sudden you have your women and you have families. We're talking fifteen to 20,000 people were probably there. A total of 5,000 men and their families were fed. So on the back of your uh, of, of North Point Weekly, there's five things that I want you to walk away and I want you to think about this passage. Five questions, five things I want you to notice about this passage this morning. Number one, I want you to notice in this passage that even in the middle that's your feeling on the back. Even in the middle of the work of God and the way of God, a crisis can arrive. Like these guys are doing exactly what they're supposed to be doing. They're where they're supposed to be. They're doing what they're supposed to be doing. And a crisis arises. It feels like you're losing control. God, I'm doing what you want me to do. I'm going where you want me to go. Why am I facing this crisis? A couple weeks ago, Jack talked about how how the disciples, Jesus said, hey, I want us to get in this boat, and I want us to go the other side of the lake. They were with Jesus, doing exactly what he said to do, going where he said to go. And all of a sudden, it feels like their life is in jeopardy. Oftentimes, we have to remind ourselves that even when we're listening to Jesus, a crisis can arise in our life. When we're doing what he wants us to do, going where he wants us to go, crisis will happen in our lives. Second thing I want us to remember this morning, a crisis, like what these guys are facing right now, is an opportunity for my faith to be tested. Like they're having this moment, and their faith is going to be tested. John chapter 6, verse 5 and 6 says, Jesus He knew what he was going to do, but he says to Andrew, hey, go and find out. Go and see how much bread there is. Jesus knew what he was going to do, but it says in John chapter 6 that he was testing their faith. Some of us this morning, we are in a moment of crisis right now, and you have to remember, hey, that doesn't mean I'm out of the will of God. doesn't mean I'm not doing what he says to do, because it's going to happen in our lives when we listen to him. It can happen, and it's going to happen. In the middle of this crisis, we have to be reminded that oftentimes our faith is being tested. That's what Jesus said. He's like, oh, I know what I'm going to do, but I'm testing your faith. James chapter 1, verse 2 through 4. Jesus' half-brother, same mother Mary, right? Different father. Jesus' brother James says this. Dear brothers and sisters, when trouble of any kind comes your way... Consider an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Other translations say when your faith is tested, when you have these moments in your life where it feels like there's this crisis and God is testing you, it's an opportunity for you to grow. It's an opportunity. Other translations say it's the time an opportunity for you to mature in your faith in Christ. Oftentimes, we're in a crisis in our life, and the last thing that we remember or think about is, oh, God, you're testing my faith. It's an opportunity for me to grow. You know, we see this spiritual life cycle where I've been dead in my trespasses. And then all of a sudden I've been born again and I'm an infant in Christ. And then all of a sudden I grow a little bit. I become like a child in Christ. And then all of a sudden I grow and I become a little bit more mature, like a young adult. And then finally, there's this life cycle where I see I'm a a parent, and I'm birthing, helping birth other people into the kingdom. But most of us, or a lot of us, never even get to that point of maturity because we go through crisis in our life, and we're thinking, well, God, you must not be in this. And I'm going to run from this situation. And God, I'm actually going to blame you. Like, Jesus, don't you know what's going on here? Don't you know that I'm drowning? Don't you know that we're about ready to lose control Oftentimes, we get in moments like this, and it just is overwhelming. Now, so far, this is, this is stuff that I've been, had been praying about this last week, and felt like God had kind of was showing me these things about this passage. But I stumbled upon a, uh, a teaching of Rick Warren, and he wasn't talking specifically about this. Rick Warren is a pastor who's retired now in California. And he talked about how at times our faith gets tested. And you see throughout Scripture that our faith gets tested in six different ways, six different tests. And so i want to share this with you because I felt like it spoke to me. Six tests to grow our faith, Rick Warren talked about. He said sometimes God puts us in a situation where it seems like there's an unsolvable problem. You see this here with the disciples. Feed 20,000 people with five loaves and two fish and no money. The problem seems unsolvable, God. This is a how test. You have a problem. You don't know how to solve it. Faith is expecting a miracle without knowing how. God, I don't know how you're going to do this. But you're testing my faith. I'm trusting you with this. I'm asking for a miracle. Even though I don't know how, it's going to take place. Sometimes a second test is there's a major change in our life, right? It's a test that happens when a major change comes into your life and you don't know where God is taking you. God, I have no idea where you're taking me. I know I'm just supposed to stop doing this and I'm supposed to start going someplace else, but I don't know where you're leading me. I don't know just how, but God, I don't even know where you're leading me. I just know that you're changing something i know i'm supposed to make a change in my life and this just this morning before first service i was talking to a couple in our church and this guy's like yeah you know i he, i had forgotten he had told me a couple months ago about how he quit a job because he just felt like it was un- unhealthy and it was not a, the right situation for him and he's the primary provider in his family and he quit the job because he felt like that's what he was being led to do even though he didn't have another job he didn't know where he was going. But he's like, I was just trusting God because I felt like that was the right thing to do at that moment in my life. And since then, he's gotten another job. And now he's, has he gotten a job? But someone else in his family has also gotten a job because of he stepped out in faith in that situation. Even though he didn't know where God was taking him. Sometimes we're, we, feel, we face a test where there is a delayed promise in our life. Like God has promised us something, Right? There's a time in your life when you're asking when, God, not just how, God, or where, God, but when, God, when are you going to answer my prayer? Faith is waiting for God's timing without knowing when. God, I don't know when you're going to do this, but I'm still going to trust you. God, I don't know when you're going to heal my marriage. God, I don't know when you're going to heal my body. God, I don't know when you're going to fix that, that, that relationship that seems to be reconciled or broken and it needs reconciliation. God, I don't know when I'm going to get pregnant. God, I don't know when this change is going to happen in my life. But I'm going to trust you in spite of this situation. And I'm asking for a miracle. My faith is being stretched and tested. Fourth one. When you feel like you have a difficult new task, God will test you when he'll tell you to do something that seems impossible. Again, I feel like this is a lot, this, this situation, it's a, it's a, this task that you've given me, God, this responsibility that you've given me, God, seems like it's way over my capacity, my ability. Faith is facing the future without knowing what the result is going to be. God, I feel like you're calling me to do this, but I don't know what the result's going to be. I just was reminded of someone in our congregation. I didn't get the permission to show the super details, but I remember there was somebody else in our congregation that years ago, they had a business, and they felt like they were supposed to make this business a very Christian-oriented business. Like, hey, we want you guys to know that we're Christians, and they knew that they had a, it's all about customer service. They knew they had a huge chance to really affect their business. But they did it anyways. And God blessed them without knowing what the result was going to be. They could have lost their whole business because they wanted other people to know that they were Christ followers. It's a difficult new task. God will tell you to do something and it seems impossible. It's facing the future without knowing what the result is going to be. Your faith is being tested. Two more. A fifth test is a senseless loss. God, I don't know why. God, I don't know why I'm feeling this. I'm facing this loss in my life that makes no sense. God, I'm looking for an explanation. I don't see one. And sometimes we can spend our whole life looking for an explanation to explain the unexplainable. God, why am I facing this loss in my life? Finally, the sixth test is a prolonged pain. God, how long? Not just why, but God, how long? How long am I have to deal with this chronic pain in my life? How long, whether it's relational or spiritual or physical, emotional, how long, God, is this suffering going to take and go on in my life? When you find yourself in the middle of a crisis, oftentimes your faith is being tested. God, how long? A third thing I want you to remember in this passage, as we look in this passage, backing up again to Mark 6. In a crisis, we often tell Jesus what he needs to do rather than ask him what needs to be done. Did you notice in this passage, the disciples go to Jesus and they tell him, Jesus, I know you don't know this, but there's a lot of people here. And I know you don't know this, but we're out in a desolate place. And I know you don't know this, Jesus, but they're really hungry. So Jesus, tell everybody to go to town and get something. Because that seems what? Logical. Isn't it interesting how often we do the same things? We get in a situation that's overwhelming and it's a crisis. And we don't go to Jesus and say, Jesus, what do you want me to do? I tell Jesus, here's what needs to be done. That's exactly what the disciples did. These are the ones that are closest to Jesus. It's a crisis moment. Their faith is being stretched and tested. And they tell Jesus what needs to be done rather than ask Jesus, Jesus, what do you want me to do here? Because I'm losing control. And I'm going to lose face with people. This looks really bad. Fourth thing, in the middle of a crisis, Jesus asks us to give him whatever we have, even though it may seem so small, right? Think about that. Jesus is like, you guys feed them. What what do you have to feed all these people? They're like, well, Jesus, you know, we went out and there's this little boy here and he's got five loaves and two fish. And Jesus is like, well, whatever you have, even though it might seem, they're like, Jesus, this is not going to do anything, I don't know about you, but if I was that little boy, I'd be like, listen, it's not my fault that you guys didn't come prepared, <laughs> right? This is my lunch, and this is my family's food. I'm not giving you, I'm not giving you my, my fish and loaves. No way. I'm not sharing that with you. It's not going to do anything anyways. I'm prepared. You're not and the disciples, they're like, I'm not telling Jesus this is all we have. He told us to feed them. This is like super insignificant. This is nothing. And so often we get in a crisis and we're like, you know, I got nothing. Sorry. I know I need a miracle, but I got nothing. I love that, that verse and uh, that's one of those songs we sang. I think it was the second to last song. It said this, all that I have is a hallelujah. I know it's not much, but I have nothing else fit for a king except for a heart singing hallelujah. Sometimes, guys, we just have to preach to ourselves. We have to remind ourselves Jesus, this is all I have, but this is all you're asking, is whatever I have, and I'm going to give that to you. You know, I imagine, you know, Lord willing, in the next year, that we're going to go into a building program here at the church. We've been talking about it for quite a while, and, you know, and I don't know, I don't know exactly yet, but I imagine, you know, obviously, you know, we have a hallway for a a Narthex, you know, we have you know a children's ministry space that is 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 you know just you know we have over 110 kids here on a Sunday morning we have a children's ministry space that really wasn't designed for that at all you know we have well you guys have been in the bathrooms we all know about the bathrooms i mean you know you can it's just it's just you know and so i imagine over the next year that we're going to go into a building campaign and i imagine that that building this new building adding on you're probably doubling our space. It's probably going to be several million dollars. It's just, that's just the way it is. And I could see somebody in this room. I could see someone saying, you know what, that's $4 million. All I have is maybe $3,000. No way am I giving $3,000 it's not my fault that you guys aren't ready for this building campaign. It's not my fault that this building campaign is $4 million. I have 3000 and I'm holding on to that, baby. I'm not giving that to you. Right? Because that's all I got. And that's what I have. I think we have to think about that. Remember that, that Jesus asked whatever little we have in the situation that you're facing right now, And for some of you, it's a crisis in your life, and all you got is to raise your hands and say, Jesus, I'm going to sing to you, and I'm going to praise you. That's all I have. And for a miracle to take place, you've got to give them what you have. Whatever little you have is, whatever that is, maybe you have a relationship in your life that is severely broken. And he's saying, what little do you have? that you can place in my hands that I can work with what is it that seems so small what is it in your life that seems so small and insignificant and Jesus saying will you give it to me Mike will you give me what seems so small because I can take that and multiply that the last thing I want you to remember as you walk away from this passage is the best place for a miracle right is in the middle of a crisis. That's the best place for a miracle. Right in the middle of the crisis that you're facing right now in your life. Do you think that this story would have been in the Bible if Jesus had listened to everybody and just done the natural, the normal, the logical thing? Chuck and just said, everybody go into town, find a place to eat, you know? Arby's is open, right? Whatever. This story wouldn't be in the Bible. They would have missed out on that opportunity for a miracle in their lives. The best place for miracles is in the middle of a crisis that you're facing right now. Let me pray for us this morning, Jesus. I want to lift up my friends that are here, those that are watching online, and those that are listening here this morning. And we've heard the story so many times, and it's so easy to overlook it and not apply it to our own lives. But Father, I pray and ask that you'd help us to find ourselves, see ourselves in this story, these circumstances that have occurred. And I know there are many that are here that are feeling overwhelmed, out of control, suffocating, saying, Jesus, I don't know what's going to happen. But Jesus, help us to recognize that as your sons and daughters that you're helping us to grow and to mature. That you will test us in the middle of these moments where it's causing our faith to stretch. We don't know what the outcome is going to be. We don't know how you're going to do what you're going to do. We don't even know why it's going on sometimes. Jesus, help us not to be like the disciples in the situation where we tell you, this is what needs to be done, Jesus. Do this, Jesus. But instead, in your minds all across this room, just think of the situation right now that feels overwhelming like that to you. And say, Jesus, what is it that you're asking of me that I can surrender and offer back to you? It seems so small, and seems so insignificant. But what is it, Jesus, that you're asking of me? from me and help me to trust you in the middle of this moment and Jesus I am praying and I'm asking for you to work and for you to do a miracle I don't know what that looks like but I'm asking for you to work a miracle and I'm trusting you with the results Jesus Father I pray and ask that you'd help our my brothers and sisters, those that are here and watching online, for their faith to be stretched and for it to grow during this season of their life, Lord Jesus. And Jesus, I'm praying, I'm asking. You know all the situations that is going through the minds of every person in this room that's watching online. Jesus, I'm praying, I'm asking for you to do a miracle in their hearts, in their lives, and in their situations. Jesus, we're trusting you with that this morning. In your name, we pray. Everyone said.